All right, guys. First one ever. Hope you're excited for this. I'm fired up. Main man, George Niang, starting a podcast here on the uh, Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. This is good timing, too, because George's season just got over, and our kind of dead season is starting right now. So this helps fill a lot of that that void here on the podcast network. George Niang, what's up, brother? What's going on? Yeah, it's funny you talk about filling voids. I was sick of, sick of um, filling my mouth with uh, devil dogs and ice cream, so I needed to fill this <laughs> empty void that I had with a with a podcast. I figured being more uh, active would be good for me, and maybe uh, people enjoy some of my thoughts. I don't know. I think they will. I think this is a good opportunity for you to be like more than just the former cyclone. I mean, people love you because you're the former cyclone, and they got to know you. And they appreciated you, but now I think that th- this is a good spot for you to like evolve a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, kind of like kick back, relax, shoot the breeze, tell people how I really feel. Maybe uh, get a little uh, get a little deep in some topics. I don't know. You tell me where. No, where, where are we heading with this, Chris? Well, you know that that you're gonna kind of have to help me steer the ship. I mean, like for me, like. I'm always going to have five or six topics that I'm going to want to run by you just in the world of sports and Iowa State. But I think that this is a – we're at two different stages of our life, man. I think that this could be – I could teach you some things, you know, because I'm old. And I think that you could keep me cool, like keep me from getting too old and from becoming that guy. You know, I feel like this is a good – this is a good groove for us. Yeah, no, I can tell you what drinks you should order at any Welch uh, Avenue bar. <laughs> um, yeah, I can keep you young, man. Do you still uh, go just, out just on Welch? Uh, you know, I like to make an appearance or two. Uh, you know, I, I obviously like to have a good time. Um, drinking was obviously in my repertoire when I was at Iowa State, as uh, many of you would know, responsibly, always. Brought to you by Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I do like to uh, step out and have a drink on Welch. You know, I, I think the college was some of the best years of my life, and sometimes when you go back, you kind of just try to reach for those great moments that you had in college and know what we all sadly realized, Chris. Is there never the same? <laughs> oh, no. Trust me. I, I know exactly uh-huh. what you're you're talking about. But I feel like for you, like it had to be different like when you – when you go out and are having a few drinks on Welch, when you like, there were people like you always had to be worried about somebody taking a picture of you or a video. Like you couldn't, like I'm sure that you could relax and have some fun, but you couldn't be completely like loose and carefree, could you? Yeah, that would depend on how many drinks I had at my house before <laughs> would determine how carefree and loose I was. But uh, you know, I think being responsible obviously comes with the territory, but. You know, sometimes you want to let loose. And I think the greatest thing about the Ames community, and I tell people about this when I go back home, I was like, yeah, I'm from the Northeast. Like, yeah, I thought I could drink. And then I went to school in Iowa. And those people know how to drink. <laughs> I do. They, there's oh, there's no doubt about that. Did you, what are they, but like the difference though, I feel like in the Northeast, it's more like you guys sip on like bourbon and, and, and like you come here and it's like people chugging cheap beer. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you could say that. Um, let's just say I had my had my first experience with Bush Light when I got Edible. to uh, Iowa State. Uh, 
golly, never drank a sip of Bush Light. I was more of a Bud Light guy, but Bush Light just seemed to be the drink of choice from uh, those Iowa farm boys. What? So uh, I just hopped on the train, and from now on out, I'm a fan of Bush. What is Shower it? Bush, too. What is it like living in Utah? Uh, you know, Utah's such a cool, uh, laid-back place. It's super nice to just pop out on the street and you can see the mountains from anywhere. So being able to see the mountaintops with covered with snow uh, pretty much all year. And uh, the people there are, are generally so nice. Um, there's great people. Obviously, Utah kind of gets like a bad rap for all the Yeah, you all have like religion. insane fans. Yeah, religion or like crazy fans. But I think when you get around passionate people um, – you, re- I, I love being around passionate people. Like I feel the love, I feel the vibes, I feel the the good energy. You can't help but smile having good scenery and good people around. I think that's what anybody wants. You ask someone what a good time is, give them something nice to look at and good people to talk to with great energy, and you can never go wrong. Okay, so that leads us into why you wanted to do this podcast because I think that a fan yeah. could look at this and they go, okay, he's an NBA player. Um, he could be doing a lot of things with his free time. How old are you now? This will make me feel old. I'm 25 years young, brother. You're 25 years old. So what Like, what made you want to enter this enter this field? Even just dip uh, your you toes know, in it. I, I've always loved sitting around and chatting and having a good time. And I've always had interest in uh, broadcasting or announcing and doing different things like that. Um, so I just, obviously I called you up and thought this would be a, a great starting point for me. You know what I mean? Why not start with a podcast with my good man, Chris Williams on Cyclone Fanatic? I mean, doesn't it sound like the, the place to start? I mean, what's next after this? ABC, <laughs> right? That's a, you'll be, that's a stepping stone. You'll be right? re- replacing Barkley on Inside the NBA after this. Yeah, ex- exactly. TNT will be calling. But no. I, what I wanted to get out of this podcast was uh, just to speak about having a passion and loving that passion and being passionate about what you do and and the small things that come between in life, whether that's friggin' baseball topics, um, who's in the Western Conference Finals, talking about recruits coming to Iowa State, Iowa State football, Iowa State basketball, um, you know, just life. And, you know, uh, I think in – in the professional realm of things, you kind of lose touch with people that you could just go out and aims and pop into the tip top and have a drink with and, and shoot the breeze with and, and have those meaningful conversations. So obviously everything that I, I try to do, it reaches back to Ames because it was so great to me, but I just wanted to do something where we could get on here, you know, have some, have some guest uh, guest speakers on here and, yeah. pick their brains and, and really just shoot the breeze and, and talk about stuff that people would want to listen to, you know, nothing yeah. too serious, nothing too overwhelming, just shit that's on my mind, stuff that's on your mind and things that we can just free flow with. You know, I thought it'd just be cool for us to, to do that and let people hear what's on my mind. And if they have any questions, have them come on and ask me personally and I can fire back and give them my honest answer. I just think it was something that was really cool for me, but I wanted to be real laid back, you know. Yeah. Obviously, my professional absolutely. career is pretty, pretty serious, but 
I like having a good time and hanging out. Well, th- this is fun for me too because, I mean, you're – God, I first talked to you – how many years ago? What class were you in at Iowa State? I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. I was I was the class of 2016, so you talked to me when I was a measly 17-year-old. Yeah. Wise, wise as always. You're actually pretty good. I always liked – I hated calling recruits back in the day because it was really – I mean, Twitter was kind of just getting going. It wasn't really as – it wasn't the thing that it is now. I mean, if you cover recruiting now, and I, I don't really cover it that much anymore, um, I mean, you can send these guys DMs. Everybody wants to text. And the, these players more like break their own news and stuff. So you don't really develop the relationships with the guys. But I always, I always liked calling you. Like, I never knew what I was going to get. Like, you'd either be – you know, you're out on a date, you're – you're at a student council meeting. You're coming home from a game. Like I never knew what I was going to get from you. And you, and the reason I like to do this podcast with you is because you never gave me like the two word answer. You you understood like your whole career. Like okay, these guys have a job to do too. I'm not going to just be a total dick to them and and give them one or two words here, which was cool. So, so you so, so you didn't want to hear me. Oh, who's offered you? Shoot everybody. Uh, <laughs> who do you pat your who do you patent your game after, uh, uh, Kobe? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you, you don't want to hear that. Do you know who you remind me of so much? I, I don't. You tell me if you ever got this. I feel like watching Jokic is just like a much bigger George Niang. <laughs> His body's flailing all over the place, throwing jump hooks in. Yeah, I can see that. That's a. I love that compliment. And you know what? Jokic looks like he goes out to dinner and has whatever he wants. Oh yeah. Do you still That's do that? Do you still get to do? Do you get to uh, do that now, or like since that weight loss summer that was the big deal? Remember, you showed up at Kansas City, and everybody's like, "Oh, who's that?" And you made the comment about like your boobs. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, let or, me tell you, Chris. Uh, my dinner, my dinner plate is green. My lunch plate is green. <laughs> my Bill. breakfast plate is egg with some more green. <laughs> you so, still, you're still doing it, it, that. Ah, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm just trying to keep my day job, man. I'm just trying to keep my day job. Yeah, well, that's good for you. That That is something, like, I don't want to do it tonight because it's our first show. I think that we should talk about that, like, that change, because that is something that every guy, I bet, listening to this has gone through at some point in their life where they're like, I got to get healthier, you know? Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, sure. You know, Sometimes. You know what I want to talk about, though? What? I kind of want to talk about Iowa State and uh, what it means to be a you know a four year guy there. You know, oh. I know there's I've I've been uh, I've been just looking. You know what I mean? Nothing crazy. Just uh, on on Twitter and obviously, if if people don't know, I, I have a Cyclone Fanatic account, so I'm on forums. I'm just disguised. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> obviously, I've I've. Uh, seen things and you know maybe next time we'll be able to get some questions from some fans but i have some for you later uh, by the way i got some from earlier so i do have questions but but, no i just want to talk about how the iowa state is such a unique place where kids coming in shouldn't look at iowa state as a kentucky or a duke or um 
what's another place that has a bunch of one and done guys or I mean even Kansas like there. how many Kansas guys yeah, did you play who were never there yeah I I think Iowa State is a place where if you embrace the place they will embrace you forever and uh, I'm going to speak more on that as Iowa State is, is Iowa State is a place that's meant for a long stay um, it's meant to be enjoyed cherished love and really i mean where do you find a place that has the most as much love as iowa state gives off i mean you have fans when i was there sitting outside for days on end a saturday game then stayed all the way to a monday game then we went and traveled and played on wednesday and they were back there for saturday i mean i think kids these days one one of two things one are um, not willing to live in the moment, you know? You ruin the experience when you don't live in the moment. They're always thinking, well, what's next? This came easy to me, well, what's next? And um, nobody's ever really perfect, but I I think if you can continue to live in the moment, you can grow a lot more than uh, you actually believe. And uh, one of my uh, favorite musicians, He's actually a local guy. He's from Rhode Island. His name is Mike Studd. He has a line in a song that says, success is a journey, but we treat it like a place. And uh, it, it, it hits home with me because I think of all the trials and tribulations at Iowa State and what it meant to me to, to be there and the success I had, the failures I had, the, the time of growth and how I was embraced. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, Chris. I mean, let me tell you, Iowa State was the highlight of my life. The NBA is great. I wake up every morning, I do what I love, and I can't complain. But the natural love that you get at the uni- at a university like Iowa State, you'll never find that anywhere else. Well, People will remember you forever. People talk about... Curtis Stinson, Will Blaylock, the Rolling Rocket. <laughs> Come on, where do where do you get that, Chris? I, let me hear your thoughts. Well, yeah, I think that there's man, there's a lot to unpack here, but I'm so Iowa State started its tailgate tour today. Did you ever go on one of those where they go around all the different towns in Iowa and it's more of a coaches yeah. thing, but the coaches shake hands and they do all this stuff and you know I, I was. Every year I, I'm reminded of how um, good of a job I felt like Iowa State's done over the last 15 to 20 years to kind of build this from from a grassroots deal. Like, think I'll, I'll, I'll go with football, but you can relate to this too. Because when you first got to Iowa State, there had not been success in basketball for a really long time. However, the the stadium was still full. Right, I mean, you didn't play in front of an empty Hilton Coliseum very often. I mean, if it if you did, there was a never moment. seen it. Yeah, never seen it. Maybe a blizzard on like a Tuesday night against Bethune Cookman, but like other than that, it is full. And football was the same way. Like just for years, I mean, they just they wouldn't win. They win three games. They win four games. They would maybe pop up and win six and get everybody excited, but the people still showed up. And it is a um, I don't. I think that it's such a. It's been such a grassroots way that they've built it up. Where like to an Iowa State fan, like it. I, I always say this, George. It's not easy being an Iowa State fan. It's awesome. 
is how I describe it. And the reason I say that is because, like, you were constantly growing up in this state, treated basically like a second-class citizen to the University of Iowa. It was easy to grow up, you know, and to become a fan of the University of Iowa because it was always bigger and it was perceived to be better. If you're an Iowa State fan, you're a diehard. Like, there's no fair-weather Iowa State fans. And to me, like, on the other side, like, you give your perspective being an athlete. Like, to me, that's why I think Iowa State fans are like that because it's more – it's more than just like I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, right? If they win or lose, like I'm going to sleep fine that night. If Iowa State wins uh-huh. or loses, like it's going to greatly impact our fan base for hours, like for, for the next day. Like Iowa State fans live and die by that, and I I don't know. To me, like that's where I think that that comes from. I think it goes back decades. But I, I credit a lot of it. You're a big part of it, too, man. I, I don't want to toot your horn too much. Fred coming back was huge. Um, I think Paul Rhodes, even though he got fired, was big in proving Iowa State football fans that some good things could happen. That Oklahoma State win comes to mind. And then Matt Campbell's yeah. kind of taken that and gone another direction with it. But I, it, it's more than a fans cheering on a team. It is a, it's, a, it's more of a family-type feel. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it goes back to what I was speaking on. With Iowa State, it's not like when you're, when you're picking Iowa State as a recruit, it's not like we have to fit you. You know what I mean? Like yes. Iowa State has to fit you. It's more like you have to fit us, you know? Think about the people that are successful at Iowa State. Passionate people. People that embrace the culture. Embrace the young kids coming up to them. Uh, embrace the, the tailgating where, you know, you might walk around a couple of tailgates and you might have too many fireball shots, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, you, you're with your people, the late night, the late nights where you do decide to drive or catch an Uber to, um, West Glen and go out to Wellman, you know, <laughs> and run into a couple Iowa state fans who are welcoming you. You know what I mean? And next thing you know, you didn't know them from a hole in the wall and, now you're you're texting with them five years later. Remember that night where we met? And it's like, yeah, I don't even really remember that night. We've made so many great memories. And I think that's what's so unique about this university is just you're connected. And I feel like Cyclones are everywhere. I played in the G League. I went to Dallas, Cyclone fans. I went to Arizona, Cyclone fans. I was parked in Santa Cruz, Cyclone fans. It's like you're a part of the family and you will never escape it. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel on the topic is recruits that come to Iowa state need to fit us. You know what I mean? There's a certain standard that we live by and and die by, to be honest. And we're opening doors for them to walk into a community where they can be remembered and cherished for life. What they decide to do with that is on with them. It's on them. So So, I kind of felt like you, you keep talking about living in the moment and, the more I look back on the 2018-19 season, I do felt I do feel like that was a problem for that team in certain aspects yeah. down the stretch. You know, they they kind of faltered. They were at first place in the Big Twelve there for a while, and I you know I do play by play for the women's team now, and Coach Finley is oh wow you you got you got upgraded that's amazing <laughs> something like that. I love Coach Fennelly, by the way, and I know you do too. And he's a guy who 
I, I love talking life with him. Like you always keep your ears open. He always teaches you. I like to sit in it, shoot around and listen to what he's saying to the girls. And, uh, it's constantly we over me, we over me. And I felt like down the stretch there, there was a lot of me over we with that team. Did that, did you pick up on that from, from the mountain time zone? Yeah. I think people see the success that we had and, and really think that, you know, we didn't have our struggles or we didn't put our time in together. I think the the best thing that happened at Iowa State was that, you know, obviously it was tragic that Fred left. You know what I mean? That crushed all of us. But we all realized we had to come together and rally around each other and rally around the new coaching staff to make our dreams a reality. And we weren't going to let anybody tell us no. And I, honestly, it was it was the worst, best thing that happened to us, you know? Mm-hmm. That was our catalyst. That was our guy. We loved him dearly, but obviously we were excited to see him chase his dreams, and we couldn't let him chasing his dreams and leaving us, um, you know, lead us astray to us achieving and chasing our dreams. So, uh, so shout out to Fred, you know what I mean? Doing his thing and kind of helping us achieve our goals. But back to the 2018 team, they just put their own agendas ahead of the teams. And, and one thing that someone told me is, you know, you can never go wrong when the main thing in your mind is win. And yeah. whether that's doing the little thing, being a team guy, picking someone up when there's down, boxing someone else so someone else can get a rebound. I think you can never waver away from team. And uh, I'm going to get off topic again, but you think about what Matt Campbell preaches you know, coming in every day and and doing the little thing. That that stuff goes a long way. And if you live your life like that, doing the little things, because the little things add up to big things. I, I think you'll just be so successful. Like, think about where Iowa State football was and think about where it is now. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's astonishing. But uh, that's a whole other topic we can get into. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of excited to talk about Fred back at Nebraska, seeing him back in the college scene, especially in the Big Ten, him being able to take out our fellow. What do we? I don't even have a name for them. Those those hawks over east. <laughs> that, that's whatever. a whole episode at some point. Like your rivalry yeah. with Iowa, I feel like we could really exactly. dig deep into the like we could, the highlights. We could we could uh, blow a lot of kisses to that topic. So oh, too soon was that too soon? No, you're fine. Absolutely not. It's your podcast. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll get back to the uh, – because I want to talk to you about Taylor and Lindell specifically here at some point with the draft, but you brought up Fred. So what's interesting to me is, one, he got absolutely – you don't have to say anything because it's in your league, but I'm a Bulls fan. I'm a longtime Bulls fan. Grew up a Jordan guy, and I was just crushed by him losing his job the way that he did because I just don't felt like I don't feel like he ever had a chance with his roster and they were they were always kind of in like a weird mode as far as where that thing was and the, he never got all those guys healthy and I just I thought he got a raw deal and it, it crushed me and I, I've since denounced the Chicago Bulls they're no longer my favorite team I don't know if you knew that <laughs> great I, I'll send you some Jeff gear deal actually it's funny I've I've spent ever since Fred got fired 
I basically just watched you guys in Utah. I watched OKC waiting for Deontay and Abdul to get in, and then Monte in Denver. And I actually really enjoyed the season. Like, I didn't feel I, – I just enjoyed it. It, it was weird. Like, I, I, I didn't have, like – I don't know. Like there wasn't a lot of angst. I wasn't ever really like mad. I was just rooting for you guys, if that made sense. And it it was a lot of fun. But back to back to Fred. So he goes to Nebraska. Now let me educate you a little bit on this. Do you realize how much Iowa State fans hate Nebraska? Because that it, there are a lot of conflicted Iowa State fans right now with Fred being in Lincoln. Really? Oh well, yeah, know, dude. No, they they. They played in the Big 12, right? So I'm sure there was a ton of rivalry games. But, I mean, ever since I've been up, Nebraska basketball has kind of been <laughs> in the toilet. So yeah. I, I wasn't really up to date I on didn't, that. You I know didn't what I think mean? you like, would be. Why, yeah. It, why would we be mad? They, you know, they stink, you know? But well, now they're going to get re- revamped. I think that the there's like the whole deal. So a lot of people didn't want Fred to leave in the first place. And Fred talked a lot about like how he didn't like recruiting. I always thought that was overplayed. I didn't think that was that big of a, a thing with him. But I think that Iowa State fans just kind of had it in their minds that like once Fred went to the NBA that he'd never coach in college again. And if he did, it would be like a blue blood. So like he, then yeah. he goes to Nebraska, and it, I think it's been really hard on a lot of people. What do you well, say to them? listen, I mean, listen. The Iowa State job is not open. Yeah, he wants the guy to sit at home and not work, play with his thumbs. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Well, like, like the guy loves to coach. I mean, I'm sure if the job was open, he'd love to take it. But you know, what I mean, you got to be happy for the guy getting back and doing what he loves. I mean, obviously yeah. Chicago was tough, and I'm sure nobody was ever pleased with with um, you know that. You know, especially when you get let go from a job and. He just wanted to get back in coaching, be happy again. You know, I mean, obviously he has some connection to Nebraska, so it was kind of seamless. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, well, yeah, that like family Walmart, connection. That's the big thing. Yeah, if I if I leave, if I'm a regular person, I leave Walmart and go work at Target. Is someone really going to be thrown off about that? Like, am, am I going to lose fans of of Walmart because I went to Target? Like, I ju- I just think. Sometimes you got to take a step back and realize these people are normal too. They yeah. have passions that they want to chase and follow, and dreams and goals, and they have a family that they have to look after. So, yeah, you know, you you kind of have to get out and and realize that it's not always about you, the fan. You know, yeah, totally. We have we have feelings too. We don't just put on a suit or jersey and are, are just robotic and don't have feelings. You know, totally. Fred's a really sensitive guy too. Like he he listens and reads all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know what I think it is is, is he has something that most coaches don't, and he cares. You know, he he cares. He cares about the person. He cares about you as a a man and how you're going to be prepared in life. And I think he has a unique coaching style. I, I think with him, it's he'd rather have you overconfident rather than have you on the court over critiquing you. You know, there's a lot of freedom with what he does. There's a professional approach about all aspects. He wants his guys feeling good. He wants you feeling loose. Like, walking into an arena and thinking, they may have four NBA guys, but I'm better than you. You know? Yeah. So and I think bringing that style to Nebraska is, uh, is going to be huge. Like, think about when Fred came to Iowa State. 
there was a fan base in, for Iowa State basketball that was thirsty to have a winning team. Thirsty. They would have done anything to see fast-paced basketball, winning, just something exciting inside Hilton again. And Fred brought that. And for people to not think that Fred's going to do that again for Nebraska, you've got to be out of your mind. This guy is already on the move, already making things happen. I'm really excited for him. You know, obviously my perspective is different from some fans, but listen, Iowa State has a great thing going with Steve Crome. He's doing a great job. You won a Big 12 tournament championship. Like, let's not get greedy. Let's be happy for our own and happy that he's he's on his way. Here's what bugs me, because I've gotten to know Steve Prohm quite well, and I, I really like the man. I think that he's – I actually think he's perfect for Iowa State the more I get to know him, because you, you talked earlier about recruits and how, you know, you've got to – You've got to fit with us. I think Prohm fits very well with with Iowa State and like his standards and what he believes in, et cetera. But I do think that it's it's it was an impossible job when he took it to follow Fred Hoiberg. Anybody who would have followed oh, Fred Hoiberg, impossible. Yeah, and I, it really does it 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 kind of hurts me for Steve that still this far away, this far out, like. I, I, George, I'm telling you, man, and I don't, I don't, you don't see it every every loss. I'm not kidding you, man. There's a thread on Cyclone Fanatic that's saying, "Well, we wouldn't have lost that game if Fred was the coach." And I just like at some point, like I'm like, "God, guys, you have to move on from that." Yeah, life life does go on. I don't know. It bugs me. I bu- it, it's and it's just going to get worse with Fred being down Interstate 80, but. I, I hope everybody right. does well. And that's a good perspective. Just root for him to beat Iowa twice a year. Exactly. That should make some Cyclone fans happy, don't you think? I would think so. Most of, the, most, <laughs> most of them, I would think, are there. Okay. Um, real quick, I want to talk Horton Tucker and Wigginton as pro prospects with yeah. you. I'll be honest with yeah, you. I, I, I think here's what, here's what boggles my mind. THT is projected to be a first-round pick right now. But at the end yeah. of the year, he put now he played really well against Kansas State in the Big Twelve tournament opener. But George, he couldn't Steve couldn't keep him on the floor at the end of the year. Like he was a liability. He was a walking turnover and he couldn't make a shot. And what's crazy, and I I want you to help explain to fans why this guy's a first round prospect, because you know, a lot of fans look at it and they like I do, and they go, This is a guy who in the Big 12 tournament was a liability for his team, and you're telling me he's just outside the lottery? So what do you see in Taylor Horton Tucker that makes you think that he might be a first-round draft pick? Okay, so when you think about how an NBA team is going into this, they're looking at Kalen as an investment, right? You know what I mean? A first-round pick, you have two years guaranteed, and they can pick up your next two years, right? So this is a, a project for them. And what they're seeing is, Obviously, what Taylor did as a freshman was pretty impressive, right? You know, was able to come in fearless, not afraid to take shots. Um, he's had some big games. He has a really long wingspan. He does some things athletically that jump out at you. So when NBA scouts or front office look and they're like, wow, he can do these things at this level and he's pretty athletic at a young age, what will he be in three years or what can we make him? in three years. So realistically, they're not looking at the right now. They're probably picking out one or two things or tools that he has 
And they're like, wow, we can build on that. One, being his length with his wingspan being, I think it's above seven feet, and his ability to, you know, put the ball on the floor and play multiple positions. Now, the tough thing for me watching Taylor was he's so talented and so good, but at the NBA level, there's guys that are just professional scorers, guys that can do what he does at a high, high level, make shots, make tough shots, get guys the ball. And what he's going to have to realize as a young kid, and I, I love Taylor's game. I, I love everything about it. But he's going to have to learn how to play the right way. And I think that's what frustrated a lot of Iowa State people is they were sick of, you know, the, the flashy dribble between the legs behind the back. You know, every now and again you throw a no-look pass to be completed or another time you throw it out of bounds or he dribbled down and shoot a fadeaway that, you know, wasn't warranted and, didn't help us break another team's run. And, you know, I I understand that. I understand fans' frustration, but they have to understand that, you know, this kid is looking at a situation where he can make more money than he's ever made in his life. Yeah. And he has the opportunity to chase his dream. Do I agree with that? Personally, no. I would love to see Taylor come back and develop and really polish his game so when he gets on an NBA court, He'll be ready, you know. He'll be ready to attack these guys and be able to make an impact right away. And um, so we, uh, I can't falter the kid for chasing after his dream and, and seeing that. But um, obviously I would love to see him back at Iowa State where he could develop and continue to grow and learn, continue to learn the game of basketball and, and play the right way because at the next level um, – you know, you, you, you want to get to the NBA and have longevity. You don't just want to get there. You don't want it to highlight to be draft night or when you get drafted. You want to get there and have longevity and be able to play 10, 12 years, you know? That's the goal. Yeah. And I, I think the more you can develop in college and not learn, look to leave early just to get there, um, the better off you'll be because making it in this league is tough. I'll be the first one to tell you. I've been cut before. I've been cut multiple times. So... I think being able to develop and, and really learn how to play the game and develop as a man, because there's a lot of outside factors that go on in the NBA. You know, there's bills you have to, have to be paid on time. There's people that are asking you for money that you never thought would ask you for money. There's people that say you change because you don't come around them anymore, but you have you kind of have to change your life. I mean, you don't work this hard to stay the same, so your whole outlook has to be different. In the NBA, you kind of have to be selfish. What do I have to do next to better myself to be able to stay in this spot? And when you come out early, you're kind of leaving something behind where you had an opportunity in college to continue to grow. So with with THT, I'm happy for him. I understand his decision, but I just would have loved to see him come back and really develop the mental part of his game along with the physical part, even with his body. I can speak to that because having a not a bad body, but a, a different body than most is is tough. So I would have liked to see him develop that another year. But I understand what he's doing. Obviously, Lind- Lindell leaving too. I'm sure you want to talk about that. Well, we talk about guys leaving early. So give me your thoughts on well, Lindell. So I I think like I get why Horton Tucker is like if you can get that guaranteed first round contract like that. 
that to me makes it if if he's confident and if he's working with his agent and he's working with through the prospect, he, he's going to be at the combine. If he's confident, he's going to go in the first round. Like I can't say that I blame him. Lindell, that one doesn't make any sense to me because I don't think he's going to get drafted. And I look at what Iowa State has next year, and I want to say this too. I feel bad for Lindell because that injury in the first game, the way that that went down, sucked. And that could have really just completely changed how his sophomore year was going to go and and ultimately did go as he didn't really see the starting lineup again after that. But from what I understand, a lot of that was his own doing. And to me, like if I'm Lindell – I'm looking at this as I'm not going to get drafted. I'm either going to end up in the G League or overseas right now, where my goal is to ultimately be in the NBA. And me coming back to Iowa State might be the difference in that team being a sixth place team in the Big Twelve and a second place team in the Big Twelve. And I, I think that it I don't think that's that crazy of an argument to make. Where if he comes back next year and if he puts in the time this summer and if he grows if he matures a little bit more I think he could have been a you know, first-team All-Big 12, dark horse, Big 12 player of the year candidate next year. And instead, George, I, I look at this guy, and I just I, I don't think he's going to get drafted. I think that he's making a big mistake here. Uh, yeah. No, when, I, when I look at Lindell, I look at so much potential and so much talent, athleticism, and um, – that's another kid that obviously I wish would come back just because personally I want to see Iowa State basketball continue to grow and, and be great and um, just have him go from the role of being sick man to taking all of Nick Weiler Babs minutes and, and playing the one and really getting those reps to being able to read in the pick and roll, to find guys, to be that athletic scoring point guard that, you know, so many People have come before him in the Big 12 that you've seen, the Sharon Collins, the, um, who else did they, the, the, Frank the Mason. TJ Fords. I know, I, yeah, Frank Mason. I know I throw crazy names out there, but those guys, you know, stayed a while, you know, and, and continue to grow and, and mature as men and, and people. And I feel like once it clicks for Lindell, he's going to be, or once it would have clicked for Lindell if he eventually doesn't decide to come back to school, he would have been unstoppable just because you don't find that explosion in uh, many people. So I completely uh, see where you're coming from, and I just wish he would uh, come back. And it's 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 a tough decision these guys face. You know, you're, you're faced with a decision that's like, am I making the right decision for my life? And is this the right thing for me and who's advising me? And there's just so much that goes into it in a short period of time. And I'm sure he was frustrated with the year went and, and wanted to see what he could do to, you know, improve his stock and what would help him. And maybe he felt that the NBA going to the NBA was that. I, I think that you nailed it too. When you say who's advising me and not necessarily with these two, but I just, you know, I've been around this stuff long enough to know that there's a lot of bad actors that can get into the ears of these guys. I think you had a pretty clean deal behind you where, I mean, it was you and your mom and you had a couple people, but it never got to be a, you know, you didn't have a bunch of handlers and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like Monte never really had that. Um, you, it, 
I, I do feel like the the younger these guys get, the farther you're out of college, it's gotten worse where there's just more bad actors around. I don't know. What do you, you you've got to be aware of, of that situation because that that's really the one thing I want all these guys to do well. I hope Wendell gets drafted and is in the league for 15 years. I'll buy his jersey and hang it up in my man cave just like I did you and Naz. Okay, and, and I I really right. am rooting for Lindell. but I do worry about people who don't necessarily have their best interests. Not necessarily him again, but in general, um, I I think that there's a lot of people who don't have their best interests in hand chirping into these guys' ears from time to time. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what you fight every day. Does this person want the best for me, or does this person want the best for them? And, and you know, having those people around you starts way before you were at Iowa State, you know. you got to build a core, have a good core group from, uh, from day one. So that's tough, and I think the advising of, of these people is obviously – of these young kids is being being looked at by the NBA because they're letting these guys sign with agents and then still be able to come back, you know? So you have more than just a small window to make these decisions because these life decisions, I mean, you know how it is, Chris. I mean, life life without a college degree is, is tough, you know? Yeah. Especially if you have any trades or have different things to do. Uh, you know, it, it's tough and it's an uphill grind and life just seems to get tougher, you know, and you got to have will and ambition to do those things to be successful. But yeah, uh, I, I think you, you always need to have people around you that are going to be positive and they're going to tell you stuff that sometimes you just don't freaking want to hear. And if you can surround yourself with those people every day, I think you'll be better off. You know, I mean, there's a ton of yes men in this world. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those are not the people you want to be around. Those are not the people that are going to help you achieve your goals. You know what's fascinating to me, too, is just like the – it seems to me like the high school coach generally doesn't have much of an impact on these guys anymore. Like I remember when I first started covering recruiting, I would always like try and have a number for the – prospect a number for the high school coach and then a number for like mom or dad and that's how I'd I'd try and build the relationship but like when I later in my career like the high school coach is just almost irrelevant is that is that good or bad man I I think it's terrible you know I kind of feel the same way what you see is uh and and the NCAA is cracking on I mean I'm just gonna throw it out there I mean I really don't care at this point there's a there's a mom the dad or the kid, or or there's a handler, and someone's trying to get paid. Someone's trying to get something off this. You know, you see these kids come on visits, and they have like five to seven people with them. I understand you have a big family, but who yeah. wants what out of this, you know? Yeah. Who wants what out of this? And I, I completely understand. If you have a big family, I understand that. You want it to be a group decision. But, you know, for the majority of the kids, I feel like it's like someone is trying to see – what they can get from you. Yeah, I have my kid. What are you going to do for me so I can get him to come here? It's not how are you going to help my kid grow? What are you going to help my kid work on so when he gets in a tough predicament in life that he's going to have the tools to get out get out of it? I remember I think uh go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say I remember when you went on your visit like it was yesterday. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it was it was me and my mom. Yeah, and, and my uncle. And you called me from yeah on your drive from Iowa City to Ames, or was it Ames to Iowa City? Which one was it? A- Ames to Iowa City. We were riding on a mega bus. <laughs> you took a mega bus. Yeah, uh, this is a funny story. My mom. <laughs> I didn't know that. Her, her, my, my mom forgot her credit card in Boston, and it was an unofficial visit. So we had to take a taxi because Uber wasn't in Iowa then um, to Ames, which is like $120. Um, meet with Fred at the Suka Prax facility, stay at the Hilton Garden Inn. And what people don't remember is it was such a long time ago. There was like a, a field in front of Suka. Yeah. So Fred was like, all right, you guys can just drive back to your hotel. And me and my mom are like sneaking out of Suka because we didn't want him to know we didn't have a rental car and sprinting across this bean field <laughs> to get to the Hilton Garden Inn. My mom phoning, uh, you know, uh, someone uh, uh, a taxi to give us a ride to Des Moines so we could catch a mega bus to go to Iowa City. And then once we got to Iowa City, my mom was like, enough is enough. I'm calling a car service to bring us to Des Moines to catch a flight. You know, the guy's like, what do you want me to bring, the Cadillac or the Lincoln? <laughs> This guy pulls up. He is a hoarder. He has mounds of trash in his car, tuna fish. It's stunk. And at that moment, I was like, God doesn't want me to ever come back to Iowa. I was just going to say, no wonder you didn't end up there. Well, I I ended up coming back to the right right spot in Iowa, Ames, Iowa. Everything's gravy. That's a phenomenal. How has that story not gotten out yet? Oh man, I, I'm pretty sure my mom wanted me to keep that close to the vest, and this is kind of pretty deep into our podcast, so hopefully not too many people hear it. Oh, you you're kind of screwed there. They're still listening. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh uh, well, sorry, mom. So, what was your visit like with Fran McCaffrey? Uh, like, did you, you know? I, you don't have to like badmouth. I'm just curious, like you, because you developed this rivalry, and like everybody at Iowa State has a rivalry with Iowa. I just didn't know, like what, like because you clearly considered them if you visited there. What, what was that like? Yeah, I was really close with one of the assistants, Andrew Francis. My interaction with Fran on the visit was was uh was good, but he had another recruit on visit, Gabe Olashaney. So, oh yeah, I remember him. He was so when when you kind of have two guys on campus it's kind of tough to juggle that and uh did you feel like you got like the iowa. short end of the stick i just i just didn't like iowa we're just gonna put it nice plain and simple like that okay before it's like uh, before the football game this get, year you, we're doing a whole podcast on your rivalry with iowa there yes let's do that but just to put it simple like this i i love the state of iowa and <laughs> And Iowa State gives you, like, pure. It is what it is, you know? And you can have fun, laid back. University of Iowa, I just feel it's like, they just feel like they're just above, you know? And that just irks me. It's very different being a guy who's, I've, I'm 34, I've lived in Iowa every year of my life. Iowa City feels like it's in a different state. I'm not, and, and some yeah. people like that. Like I'm a rural guy, though. Like I, I graduated with under 100 people in my class, so like I like Iowa State was perfect for me because it had that small town feel. Where like I always felt like Iowa kind of felt more like Chicago. Yes, 
All right, we'll move. Uh, on. We'll, we'll, we'll move I'm, I'm going to give. I'm going to. I'm going to give it to you like this in in, in drinking terms. It's like uh, Iowa State is like you go. Hey, we go over our buddy's house. Hey, my man. Hey, can I can I grab a beer out of the fridge? Yeah, sure, no problem. You, you know, you don't owe me anything. You know, you, I come over to your house, do the same thing. And then you get to Iowa, you go over your University of Iowa, go over your buddy's house, grab a beer out the fridge. He's like, hey, uh, make sure you Venmo me that 575, all right? I'm going to need that. You know? Yeah. I, that's that's, I feel that's how, I, how I feel about it. I think you know, that's there's, fair. There's no just... Yeah, anyway, we can... We can move on. We can move on. All right. Um, Let's do some quick quick hitters here, okay? And then I'll read you a couple right, fan good. questions and we can wrap this up. Um, John Beeline to the Cavs. What do you think? Uh, I was kind of thrown off by that. I didn't see that one coming. John Beeline is he's 66, isn't he? Yeah, 66. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he had a great year this year i mean he's had losing seasons um i think he does a great job with development um and engaging with his players but the what i realized is the nba is a, a totally different game you know it is uh fast flowing um you know there's not a ton of sets it's a lot of pick and roll um and John Beeline is known for like backdoor cutting and a complex offense, which it, it's tough to get a guy who's making twenty million dollars to want to engage and and love an offense like that. So obviously he's going to have to change some things. I, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty good hire. I, I think the guy definitely is a genius when it comes to basketball. But I just I didn't see that one coming. I guess like the way I kind of interpreted this is for him it makes sense because this is his last job we would think um so maybe why not go to the nba and you know maybe that's been a dream of his or whatever i feel like from dan snyder's point of view though like they're not going to win a title anytime soon so you know without knowing the intricacies that you just outlined i looked at it like Snyder has a Michigan connection to there's there's some sort of like he's like a Michigan State grad and he always wanted Izzo couldn't get Izzo. Beeline seems like a really good guy like to nurture Colin Sexton here for a few years and whoever they get I mean the the lottery's tomorrow night they could end up with Zion for all we know that's to where it makes sense to me because I feel like this wasn't the hire to win a championship this was the hire to kind of rebuild and maybe right. I don't know could that be it. No, that that now that definitely that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, develop a young guy, put your arm around him. Rather, when you have like a Ty Lue or a, um, um, who was the last coach they had? Drew. Um, Man, I don't even know. I know his son, Larry Drew. Um, who was who's the coach that just got that was the interim after Ty Lue? Those, but anyway, so those guys are kind of like be professionals, do what you do. And John Beeline is more like, I'll teach you how to be a professional. Yeah. From that aspect, I get it. Um, we've got Western Conference Finals, Portland, Golden State, the mm-hmm. Curry brothers. I thought Man. I thought game six from the Warriors was 
That was as impressive of a like gutty win that I've seen in in years. Just without KD, without Boogie, Steph Steph hadn't scored at halftime. You're on the road. You were like they were like an eight point underdog, which I thought was insane before that game. But like I found myself like entering the game, I was rooting for Houston because I think I, like everybody, I'm tired of the Warriors. But then like I found myself like evolving during the game and like just so blown away with just the grittiness that Golden State was playing with. I was just impressed. Yeah, I mean, you, you, how can you not root for? I mean, the Warriors, the the way they play and. It's just fun to watch the threes, the layups, the dunks, the the movement of the ball, um, and just the fact that everybody counted them out with KD being out, and they just came out and won. But that leads me to the the, the Trailblazers. Like, come on, you've been swept tw- the past two years. Your center breaks his leg. You sign a center named Enos Cantor, who everybody had given up on at that point. Um, you bring in Rodney Hood, who was, you know, I mean, people weren't too thrilled about him before in in Cleveland, and he is playing unreal right now. The way those guys are persevering and coming together and making this run with the leader like Damian Lillard, and shoot, look how CJ McCollum's playing. I just think Portland kind of has to be America's team right now. I mean. They're the they're the the lower seed, I guess you would say the underdog, but they're playing like some real champions right now. I mean, just fighting through everything. Damian Lillard having a bad game, um, getting beat bad in Game Five, and they come back home and and win Game Six and go into Denver and win Game Seven. I just think you can never count that out, and uh, especially with a, with a superstar like Damian Lillard going back home to Oakland, this is going to be a fun series to watch. I'm really excited to watch it. I love McCollum's quotes after the game on Sunday when he was <laughs> he was like, you know, I was playing at Lehigh, you know, never, you know, nobody ever thought that I'd be here. Nobody ever thought that I'd get drafted. All this stuff, like, it made me like, because he doesn't get a lot of press, man, behind Dame. Like, he, he's there's not a lot of people that know who he is and. God, he was good. They need to yesterday. start taking notice. God, he was they need good. To start taking notice. The, and my that place favorite, is my favorite. That place seems crazy, though. It reminds me a little bit of Utah, like the home court advantage that you guys get. It seems like Portland; those fans are nuts. Yeah, Portland's fans are super passionate about their Blazers, and they will do anything for their Blazers. That place is loud, um, full of energy. And when that team gets to hitting threes, it's going to be a long night, let me tell you. What about the Kawhi shot? Did he call it? Oh, how heartbreaking is that? You literally have to watch. I feel like I've seen that before. You literally have to watch that ball hit the rim seven times to your fate, game seven. Like Every kid has dreamed about that moment, the winding the clock down. Oh, Game yeah. seven, so go to the finals. And then that shot is how you lose. Uh, I couldn't imagine being on the other end. But if I'm the Raptors, I'm thrilled. That was great. Kawhi is quietly I, – I feel like even a year ago, you know, when he was sitting out, I wasn't a big Kawhi fan. And I 
I don't know. Just because I'm a fan, right? I don't... I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. He's, he's the most dominant player uh, in the NBA, that's... both sides of the ball. Well, that's funny, man, because I was just going to say, like, when it comes to two-way, like, and he, he, he actually plays defense, too, and he's really good at it. He's elite. And what he's done in the playoffs, it's like, man, like, I think that Durant's probably the best player in the game, and I think Steph probably is, you know, making a claim that he belongs to be in that conversation. But I, I don't know, man. Like, Kawhi is right there, isn't he? Oh, he's got to be right there. He's got to be right there. And I think people need to stop critiquing and just enjoy the greatness that is happening with Kawhi in these playoffs. Like, think about what we've seen. We've seen Kevin Durant literally say, you know who I am? I'm Kevin Durant and score 50 points. Yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard go to Toronto where they had struggled, struggled in the playoffs and willingly just will them to victories to get them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Then you have the Steph and Clay show when Kevin Durant goes down. Then you just have Giannis, who is just a freak. I mean, everything that he's done, he's basically, he ran through the East to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then lastly, Portland, like, come on. Damian Lillard uh, in the first round, come on. Harden's had come some on. of those, good, those moments, too. Yeah, and James Harden. Oh, and I don't even want to get into that because every time I come home from the playoffs, people are like, what defense were you playing? You know, it's like, listen, we were trying to take away his threes. You know what I mean? This yeah. guy is one of the most prolific scorers this NBA game has ever seen. Like, if you don't think we are trying, then like, come again. You know, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were trying. It was, you know what I mean? The guy can score. I mean, I think it came down to us just struggling to make shots at some point and Sometimes you hit a cold spell, and we hit a cold spell at the wrong time. Yeah, that was a that was a hell of a series, though. I mean, you guys didn't, you obviously didn't win it, but you were right there, and I, I watched about every minute of it. And I don't know, like Harden's just the when he got when he, when when Draymond scraped his eye, and then there for huh. those two games where that they won, and he's running around with a bloody eye, like just hitting threes in dude's face. I mean. God, that was fun to watch. I, I um, I'm with you. It's been a good playoffs. I mean, like there haven't been a lot of like really close games and stuff, but it's gotten better, and we've seen a ton of great individual performances. Does Milwaukee? I mean, Mil- Milwaukee is the best chance to beat the Warriors, though, right? I mean, are are you counting the Trailblazers though? I'm saying like that. I mean, Golden State's going to be a heavy favorite in that. Let's assume that they win. The best yeah. chance for uh-huh. like a team for for somebody who just hates the Warriors and there are a lot of people like that. It uh, yeah, I don't know. I I can't count out Portland like that, but I I can see okay. Milwaukee being a team that will be a good matchup to take out anyone coming out of the Western Conference. All right, um, let me get to some fan questions to wrap this up. We'll take some short ones here, yeah. and then we we can save these. We need to like. Um, I need to develop like a portal for people to send fan questions to. Yeah, well. come on, get that going, man. You had one job. <laughs> uh, I know, and I, I'm going to get better. Um, I'm going to get us like a really cool intro and stuff like that. All right, Ted Flint in Kansas. Ted Flint, I read his stuff all the time on Twitter. He's interesting. 
He says, um, shower beers, yes or no. If somebody hands you a shower Miller. Be- yeah, do you do beers in the shower? Come on, shower bush. Come on, man. <laughs> Got to get prepped before you throw on the going out t-shirt. He said, if someone hands you a Miller Lite, what do you do? Uh, I'm I'm a fan of of uh, any beer, so I'd probably drink it. <laughs> Shot, shotgun it. Will wants to know who your favorite Big 12 player was to go up against. Um, from the aspect of t- being tough, because when I was in college, I loved going up against anyone that wore the jersey that had TCU across the front. That was always the <laughs> man. They don't have that luxury tough. now. No, they don't. Not Texas Tech either. I know. Like y- you guys used to just be able to sleep through TCU and Tech, other than that one year at Tech. Yeah, but like. And now, like those were like four automatic wins, and now those teams are good. Um, you don't have to comment yeah. on that. I just like it. I, I, it I, I would, I would, I would say they're really good. One was in the front. Yeah, one was. Um, uh, who's the toughest defensive assignment you've gotten so far in the NBA? That's from Mike. Well, uh, in the NBA, they usually try to not put me on someone, but That's fair. Uh, that, yeah. But I would have to say uh, either Paul Millsap or uh, obviously with Houston. Uh, I think that the worst thing is is when James Harden sees someone he doesn't recognize, he calls that guy up so they can switch you on the ball. So I, I would say that that's probably one of the. The worst feelings ever is when James is sitting there pointing at your guy to come set a ball screen because he wants he thinks you're the weakest link. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be horrible. Yeah. It's like, man, what do you have against me? Can I just rest? Dude, I had so much fun watching your uh, final game of the year. It was on at like one thirty in the morning where you had, th- what would you have, 24? You, um, yes, I did. I think that was the accurate number. You and the kid from Duke, uh, Grayson Allen. You guys are just Grayson balling. Allen. What, everybody hates him. Is he a bad guy? Like, or is he better than no. what people think? No, he, he's great. He's great. He has a real competitive spirit that anybody would want on their team. I know what has happened in the past, but, I mean, it's time to let go. The, the kid is a, a stand-up kid. He does the right thing. Obviously, he's a little... He's a little arrogant, but who doesn't like a little someone someone that believes in themselves? I mean, you you got to understand them before you can judge them, and, and yeah. the world will never have an opportunity to understand them. But because he just kind of beats to his own drum and does his own thing, but he's an amazing kid. That game was sweet though because it was all the like G League guys and the guys who were like trying to prove themselves in the league, and you guys were playing like it was a playoff game. Like I had yeah. so much fun watching that night. Yeah, you got you got to take full advantage of your opportunities, man. Because they're uh, they come and they go. Let me tell you, they will pass you by, and you don't want that to happen. Nas played a lot in that game too. Yeah, that was yeah. Nas is great. He was awesome that game. We'll have to get him on the pod sometime. Maybe when y'all are back in June. Yeah. Man, this is my show. Nas doesn't get. We don't need to get Nas on here. Let's get some. Some cool people, like like Sean Johnson, 
uh, what was it, Lolo Jones. Do you have a uh, Sean Johnson contact? I don't. I'm going to rely on you for that. I don't. I don't think Sean Johnson would take my call, man. I don't know. She's she's probably busy. She's an Olympian. I actually think she's pregnant now. I swear I read that the other day. She's married and pregnant. Um, I don't. Uh, I think she has more important things to do than talk to us. Don't say that. Don't say that. Believe. <laughs> Alex. He wants to. He's referring to the. 20-point comeback against Oklahoma on Big Monday. Ooh, what was the halftime? Sp- right there. What, that's one of my favorite games ever. What was the halftime speech like? Do you remember halftime of that game? You know what? That's actually crazy because we came in there and we were all like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and you know who stood up and brought us all together? You're not. You're going to be like dumbfounded when I tell you. Jamil McKay. Wow. Jamil McKay stood up and put his hand up. He's like, you see these five fingers? We we can't do it alone. We got to be like this. And makes a fist, right? He's like, we got to be like this. We got to be tight like a fist. Nothing can break us. And I was sitting back like, what the <laughs> heck? What is going on? And and that kid, wow. he and if you if you watch the game, you'll see him making that fist, and I'm just like, Jamil really willed us to a victory wow. emotionally in that game. It was impressive. Man, he came a long way that year because he was suspended all those games. Remember, like that was that was Prone's oh, yeah. first year, right? Or was that no? no, no that was, was at the uh, end of the Fred the era. I'm sorry, the year he sat yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So he was sitting out, and he did that. Yes. Wow. Never would have guessed that. Never would have guessed that at all. That's incredible. He's a, Is he still playing like in Australia? Do you keep in touch with him? He was playing somewhere for a while. Um, I forget where he's at, but I still keep in touch with him. I, I can't remember where he's playing at, but he had told me. I got to be a better, better post-teammate, huh? I think you're doing just fine. How often do you uh, see Naz on that account? Do you guys like live together? Oh yeah, we're out in Santa Barbara together, out here working out. So we're always together, man. Yeah, I saw you guys like vacation together, and it's it's kind of cute. Oh yeah, you think you're funny? You guys like you think you're funny? Don't. Do you guys go on like double dates together and stuff like that? Like, where do you draw the line? Oh no, man, we do man things. Like in Step Brothers, we take shit <laughs> with the door open. <laughs> we eat beef jerky. <laughs> you guys are like stepbrothers. That's good. Man, we are. Some In life, you know, it's always good to find cool people to hang around. And I think uh, for the most part, me and Naz kind of have it figured it out. Well, that's good. And it, you know what's kind of a pain in the ass, though, is that you got, it's a good, it's a blessing and a curse because you guys, like, there's five of you in the NBA. And in two scenarios, there's two of you on the same team. Yes. Which it's great because it really limits the amount that I have to watch because if y'all were spread out, like I, I wouldn't get much done. But I do like – so I, I like to buy your guys' – it's a decorative thing for my office where I, I like to buy your guys' jerseys and I, and I frame them and it, it just looks cool in my office. And I only do it to the guys that I, that I like, that I had good relationships with and stuff. But I have two – I have two jazz jerseys. 
and I have two Oklahoma City jerseys, and it, it kind of looks weird. So, uh, so why don't why don't we call Monte? We'll get Monte on next time, and I got Monte. Send in a Denver Denver Nuggets jersey. Yeah, it's just you know I'd like a. I'd like my room to be a little more colorful, you know, but maybe someday you guys will, <laughs> you guys will have long careers. All right, dude. Okay, fine, yeah. How'd the first podcast go? Do you feel good about this? Do you feel like we're, like, are we limited on our jump shot? What do you think right now? I don't know. I think uh, we need to work on our pump fake up and under on this one. We, we uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm excited. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. I can't wait to get some feedback from, uh, the fans and let us know what they want to hear. I mean, this is all about them. If you want me to talk about baseball, I can uh, do my. Is it uh, is it is it John John Smoltz? John Smoltz. Yeah, man. Yeah, former Atlanta Brave. My best. Uh, yeah, John Smoltz impersonation. Are you a Red Sox uh, fan? I am a Red Sox fan, yeah. and they just got over five hundred, so I'm in a happy camper. Well, well, there'll be plenty of time for all that, and, and we'll continue to get fan questions and stuff. And if you guys didn't get your, if you asked a question and didn't get answered today, I'm saving all of them, and we'll we'll save them up and we'll dig through them. So, will you go? You, you won't be disappointed. You yeah. won't be disappointed. You, what are you and Naz making for dinner tonight? Uh, probably some chicken, <laughs> some veggies. You know, it's time to start eating good. I was eating. Ice cream, cookies, those were starting to become main meals for me. So I'm 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 done jumping off into the deep end. I'm coming to the shallow water, and I'm going to start eating right today. Today, because my podcast is today. All right, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Right. He's he's George Niang. I'm Chris Williams. Saying so long. <laughs>